Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Hey, guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over a hundred casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. Eighteen plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to Stagecraft, Variety's theater podcast, bringing you backstage and behind the scenes with the stars and creators of the hottest shows on Broadway, off-Broadway, and beyond. I'm your host, Gordon Cox. On this episode of Stagecraft, I'm talking to the actress Kelly O'Hara. She's a Broadway musical theater favorite from shows including The Light in the Piazza, The Pajama Game, South Pacific, The Bridges of Madison County, and the 2015 revival of The King and I that won her a Tony. She's now back on Broadway for the first time since that Tony-winning turn, starring opposite Will Chase in the Roundabout Theatre Company's Broadway revival of Kiss Me Kate. She's here with me to talk about musicals, comedies, and working on her latest project with two greats, Cole Porter and William Shakespeare. Hi, Kelly. Thanks for joining me. Hi. It's very nice to be here with you. We are backstage at at Studio 54. Um, You've, you're fresh off a show, um, oh, Kiss yes. Me Kate. Yes. Um, so we might hear some singing. So get ready, listeners. You'll hear some singing and maybe some traffic outside. That's true. Um, <laughs> so Kiss Me Kate is one of the most recognizable musical theater titles we've got, right? Um, was it a show and a role you always wanted to do? Were you particularly attached to the show? Or how did you think of it before you got involved? That's a good question. Um, you know, it wasn't, although it seems like it should have been. It's got a nice soprano, classic soprano uh score for her to yeah. for Lily and Kate. Um, there's my phone ringing. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's, uh, you know, in college, I was doing more opera stuff and the musical theater that I was doing might have been more kind of Rodgers and Hammerstein, Lerner and Lowe type of stuff. Right. This wasn't on my radar as much until I saw the 99 revival with Marin Maisie and Stokes. And when I, Marin just kind of happened to be a symbol for me of what could happen on Broadway for me. It was more of a legit sound. There was ragtime. She was actually right. a real big influence. And so when she, when I saw her do this, I thought, oh, gosh, you know, if I can ever get a chance to do it, even in a concert version or something, I think it would be right for me. Right. Uh, speaking of concert versions, you did this uh, in a um, reading uh, with the Roundabout. It was for a Roundabout Gala, and it was with uh, Will Chase, your co-star in this, mm-hmm. and uh, a lot of the creative team of this production. What Did you enjoy that uh, that experience, and what made you interested in sort of doing the full production? Well, uh, a couple of things. I mean, we had done the same thing at a gala years before with She Loves Me, and I really, really loved that and wanted to do it, but I was doing King and I, so I couldn't. So the next time it came around, and we had a great time on the night of... And you always do. You know, those are so fast and furious, and then you end up going, that was fantastic, (laughs) Um, as far as fun. Right. Um, 
I thought, no, let, let's do this one. Let's find a time. And it took a few years to find an opening for all of us. Right. Um, yeah, why? Same, why did you think to yourself, this one, this one we should do? Well, again, as I get older and as I find, you know, what I like to do, I... I am a I am a kind of a classically trained soprano. So, as I get older, I find that sometimes I mean there aren't a lot of roles that allow for me to kind of be strong, but then sing the way I like to sing, right. and then so therefore I'm kind of putting on a a voice which is doable. But in eight shows a week for many 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 months, I start to itch to sing uh, bigger soprano stuff. I really right. do, and so I knew this one would be a fun sing. Yeah, and. I did say yes to it, and then the way the world has been working lately, yeah, and some just uh, some personal things and everything. I thought to myself, I just want to laugh again. I want to. I don't want to play a mother of a kid who committed suicide. I, yeah. I don't. Which was, you know, which is also artistic in its way and and was valuable at the time for me. Right. But because of, you know. Everything that happened last spring and everything that's happened since 2016, right. I wanted to not only laugh myself, but I wanted to give people the chance to come in for a couple of hours and laugh at just silliness and shenanigans and not have to think about uh, the things we think about on a daily basis that put us into uh, a thought of absolute chaos. Um, so that makes me feel purposeful. And, uh, you know, it's not brain surgery, but it's joy. And that to me is, can be just as important sometimes. Yeah. Do you like doing comedy? Cause you've I done love doing comedy. dramatic roles as well. Like, yeah. yeah. You know, when I was the last one, I guess would be, um, nice work if you can get it. Yeah. And I look back on that time. First of all, I mean, I made some of the best friends of my life, but I look back on that time and think about, uh, just the absolute kind of in my life, how much joy I felt just, I mean, I would fall to the ground laughing because of these guys, these people in my show. Mm-hmm. And we need that every once in a while. And then we go put ourselves back in the position to search darknesses. And, and all of those things are useful as a human. And right now, the pendulum just swung back to fun. Right. And so I'm really glad I'm here. Yeah. Speaking of the way the world has changed since 2016, uh, the Kiss Me Kate being based on, uh, you know, the Taming of the Shrew um, and incorporating the Taming of the Shrew, it has some elements that uh, can raise some eyebrows, some elements of the story <laughs> that can raise some eyebrows today and like sort of a comic, I like Taming the Shrew itself is sort of a comic depiction of subduing a strong-willed woman, or it can be depending mm-hmm. on the production, mm-hmm. right? Um, what did you think of that dynamic back in 2016? And then did that change at all when, uh, in the wake of sort of uh, Me Too and Time's Up? And I mean, I think that's informed everything. In fact, uh, once we really decided to, to um, push go on this idea, it's probably because of what's been happening. Yeah. To go back into a show that um, that has so many problems when it comes to that sort of thing. It's very misogynistic. Shrew has always been seen that way too, but it's interesting if you think about when Shakespeare wrote it and who was queen and and some of the language that he gives Kate even in the play that's been cut for Kiss Me for for Kiss Me Kate the musical right. is actually pretty witty and smart and there is reason for her to be angry and shrewish right. you know um, a lot of we hear this all the time women aren't just angry they have a reason to feel certain right. negative things um, and they and then when they do get angry. You know, there's always a source, and it's not just being a shrew. And so I found that very interesting at this time to kind of revisit that, put in back in some of the Shakespeare retort that she actually has, right. um, shine a light a little bit on the, the the male behavior, cut some of the things that were just useless to us at this point. Um, you like know, what? Can you give me an example? Uh, well, I mean, gosh, there are lyrics that 
you know, I've off stuck a pig before um, that we changed, mm-hmm. you know, just, just things that are ugly um, mm. that, that everyone just probably laughed their heads off about. I mean, I can't, I'm, I can't think of anything right now that, that in particular, but probably the most, we should say that uh, Amanda Green made some of the, um, yes, yes. The, adjusted some of the, tweaked some of the lyrics. And one of the most notable is there, there uh, is a song that, uh, Lily slash Kate had called I'm ashamed that women are so simple, but yeah, I mean, I was going to get to do yeah. get to that because oh, yeah. I think that was our biggest change. Um, it's very I, small I, though. We should say like, yes. it's actually, it's, it's maybe just one word, but maybe a couple more. And, but it really um, changes the tone of the- it seems like it is, but actually she, um, I'll, I'll go back to say, I was trying to yeah, think please. of the men, men role, the men lines that were so kind of awful that we've cut some of them and then kept the ones that kind of highlight why we need change. Oh, uh-huh. uh, but, but what we did in my lines, especially that song, I am ashamed that women are so simple. She actually changed quite a bit more than you think, but she, mm. she so beautifully kept Shakespearean language. Yeah. Um, there's a whole passage where uh, she says, you know, why are our bodies finite bound for dust? The time we share so brief and yet so dear, mm. you know, she's talking about how we're here. We don't, we don't have much time, but we're spending all of it fighting fighting for supremacy and sway and being powerful when all of it goes away except for love at the end. So why don't we spend more time trying to be in that love and enjoying it um, and not wasting our time? Uh, I, the, the, the original lyrics, they're going to, they're going to, I'm going to, my memory's going to fail me right now, but it spends yeah, so much. You didn't have to memorize those. No, right? well, yeah, and, yeah. yeah, I did at the one point, but yeah. I, but it, we spent, it spends so much time, the song, just saying sorry for being a woman for being and wives let's just do all this for our men and um and basically lay down and shut up and uh and that that little change for me is is it seems simple but it's kind of monumental Mm. in just in a way to use my own voice and so that's been helpful but it's also is something where uh, a certain audience can come in and and not listen and still enjoy the old fashioned show. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's so interesting that the, the matinees that we do sometimes today in particular that I've just finished, they're very, very quiet when it comes to things like I hate men. They mm. don't like it. They still don't want to hear it. Right. Um, which is, which is funny to me. Um, and I know it's, it yeah. may be an older crowd or it may be, um, but you, you have these young women coming in and hooping and hollering on other nights. Right. I don't need the hoops and hollers, but I'm not singing it in a way that you can dismiss it as being shrewish. I'm just trying right. to sing it straight so yeah. that you can actually hear that some of the words are valid. Because right. <laughs> <laughs> didn't, we didn't change those lyrics. They've always been there. Yeah, right. But it is, it is um, funny to me to, you know, a person who's done a lot of revivals, you yeah. know, the matinee crowds are my, 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 uh, they're my jam. Yeah, right. They're, and this is the first time here I'm doing a classic revival and the matinees crowds just aren't sure what they think about me. Hmm. It's interesting. Yeah. yeah. Um, you mentioned that, that Kate always has a reason to be shrewish. What mm-hmm. did you find? What was your way into Lily, who is the name of the actress who mm-hmm. plays Kate in the musical within yes. the musical? Um, what What do you find is Lily's reason for uh, for acting in a way that some people might consider shrewish? Yeah, you know, I actually find Lily to be um, less shrewish. I find her to be a little bit, of e- you know, an egotistical actress who's mm. kind of uh, oversensitive and overdramatic. Right. Um, I think she finally hits a wall, and it's called humiliation because she's madly in love with this man, and she's yeah. absolutely brokenhearted. And it just it cracks something in her as opposed to crying and putting her head on her pillow or 
begging him back or running away, which he eventually does from for a minute. I think in our 2019 version, she beats the shit out of him. It's yeah. a different it's a different response. Right. But it's one where <laughs> I think most women have been at the place where if they could, they would. <laughs> right. You know, and um and and because they can't, they might uh do something more you know, what would be considered, I don't know, uh petty or something whatever it is, but mm-hmm. I think in this case she just comes out because she, she has the audience to to protect her a little bit. She kind of just goes after him. Right. Yeah. Did the inclusion of Shakespeare, I know, you know, I, I talked to um, Scott Ellis, the director a while mm-hmm. back, um, and he was telling me about kind of rehearsing different versions of the Taming of the Shrew musical kind of, or the way he thought about it, because there's the way the show's supposed to go. And then kind of the way it goes wrong once mm-hmm, in mm-hmm. the show, when Lily finds a note that she, she discovers something. Yes, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, did, was this, musical uh, unusually complicated to to kind of rehearse for on your end it was actually because we we had um we wanted to be thorough and you know it's funny you can throw these up they're, they're tried and true they're tested right. you can throw them up without thinking and most many people in the audience will probably just not know the difference i mean right. you feel that way sometimes because you think oh all this work and i don't feel like they're they're getting it and that's not our that's not our uh, we shouldn't worry about that. We we have to do the job we do. Right. But we definitely did a red version and a blue version. That's what he said. Yeah. Tell, yeah. tell us more about and, that. And um, it's the version where on this night, she came to the theater. They've they rehearsed here. They've moved the show to Baltimore to open it out of town tryout. And on this night, they do taming. They do the, the music uh, musical of Taming of the Shrew, the Shrew, right. which yeah. is, um, you know, which is what they've rehearsed. And uh Kate is a shrew and Petruchio is an ass and they, right. you know, they have the whole play and there is, there are these funny little fun dance numbers that aren't in Taming of the Shrew, obviously. Right. You know, yes. We're right. off to Venice and, you know, yeah. and we're, and, um, and then the, there's Tom, Dick and Harry and there's right. and yeah. all these kind of things. Yeah. And then of course you have Too Darn Hot, which isn't in the show. That's the intermission. That's the right. actors cooling off, you know? Right. So you have all these pieces to it, but with a show within the show, we definitely had the version where Kate, Lily is not angry, but Lily's playing Kate, you know, so they did the, the original writers laid them on top of each other in such a way where it really, they match, but I had trouble. I wanted them to be separate. I wanted to separate the two things, how she would have done Kate without, you know, this. And, um, and so, so it was very, sometimes you're like, your mind is a little bit exploding because you're thinking, no, wait a second. Wait, wait, how, how did she, how would she feel if this didn't happen? And, Right, so we tried right. to do both and and then change it for red in that way the cast could react differently than they would have in the normal night of the show. Right. So it's more complicated than it seems and I think the extra work is always worth it. Right. You know. And so but the, the mm-hmm. actors who are reacting differently to something that is different you guys are aware that it is different and I guess we are aware that it is different too but we don't have the previous like we don't you we don't, don't know see the blue version. Blue version, right? No, yeah, you're only right, seeing exactly. red version. Right. But it gives us something to um those those mark markers to know exactly oh right. this wouldn't have happened last night you know right. oh oh this is newly that's you know? the thing that can throw you as Lily off y- yes right? yeah or, yeah or you know go to you or inspire you or whatever exactly yeah, right right yeah it's very it's very useful and realistic for us right yeah. 
this is for people who have maybe you know seen Kiss Me Kate and you know but don't aren't quite aware of the exact song list. When you sit down, it's like, oh wait, this song yeah. is from here. Yeah. Too? Oh wait, also this song and this. Yeah. Song. It's like every great Cole Porter song you've ever heard yeah. is in this score. Did you do you have a relationship with Cole Porter music in general? Or how are you I do of, actually. You know, I did a I did a long uh, Boston Pops tour of all Cole Porter music, and then I did the same. Uh, series with Marvin Hamlish mm-hmm. out in Seattle, yeah, right. Seattle Symphony. Yeah. So um, the funny thing is, uh, we talked about early on about me trying to find soprano roles. Right. In my younger years, um, you know, people even say to you, "Gosh, I didn't, I didn't know you could do this," and or you didn't used to be able to, or, or sing high, or whatever. And you think, no, what people don't realize about actors is we take the work we can get. We really right. do. And at, at one point in our career, if we're lucky, we can start to choose, but. Early on, I was so I was so lucky to get work, but I was doing grand imitations of Doris Day or whoever it was to do right. Pajama Game or South Pacific or, you know, Mary right. Martin, whoever it was, because that wasn't my natural inclination. Um, those types of scores. So vocally, you're vocally, talking. I'm yeah. talking yeah. all vocally. Yeah. I mean, I loved the characters. I loved yeah, acting right. in those right. plays. But um, the reason I bring it up is because when I went to do this Boston Pops tour, uh, they said, we've picked out all the music for you. It, we picked it out just perfect for your voice because we know what your voice is. So I arrived to sing Anything Goes, Always True to You, Darling, in My Fashion, um, every low, right. every single low, corp, uh, Cole Porter, uh, basically uh, alto right. uh, song. And the only thing I could really get them to change is they we we changed the so in love to the original key, which is the one I sing now, which oh, is the yeah. higher key. But right. they had the Marin key, um, hmm. so it was a whole show. And I did it. I did it for a long time. I did a whole show of songs that really aren't in my voice type. And I I love that I can. I mean, I do love that I can. Although yeah. I'm not. Um, it's just when you're not being your true using your true instrument. Um, you can sometimes not feel like you're being a fraud to the people. Yeah. I love to be honest with my voice, you know. And so when shows have been written for me or or I can find scores where I'm really kind of in my wheelhouse, yeah. that feels honest. What are those? Name a couple Bridges of those. Bridges of Madison the, County. Uh-huh. Yeah, right. Um, you know, Light in the Piazza in a way, although I was young, it was a, it was a little bit of a, a put on in a certain way to be a, a younger sounding person. Right. Far from Heaven, uh, yeah. My Life with Albertine, um, you know, uh, yeah. So these are new shows that that are because they've been written, right? For because me. they've been written for you. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, if I sing like Margaret or something like that, that's all in my. But I. Right. But but the joy of being able to do these classics, and to do them, uh, to act the the parts. You know, I'll I'll sing whatever I have to sing, and I and I love it. It's just that I want both things to match up. Right. You yeah. Know? Yeah. You mentioned the, the Boston Pops concert. You do a, a fair number, a fair amount of you know concert singing yeah, as well. How does that sort of fit into you know your work as a musical theater actor? What how do you think of those things sort of overlapping and influencing I, I each think, other? I think of them exactly like that. I think they overlap a lot. Um, but in a musical theater and on the stage, you tend to you play one part and you sing the songs that go with that part, and sometimes you do it for a year or more. Right. You know, and so that is um, that can be very. Um, catastrophic to the creative mind and the vo- the, the and, ch- and non challenging to the the voice that wants to grow and keep 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 uh, building and right. um, and so when I go do concerts or symphony concerts 
uh, finding new material to stretch that and then uh, is is so useful to me but also singing as me as my person and not through a character a lot of people prefer only singing behind a character i'm very opposite i love to i love to sing everything as myself and so i can filter my emotion through that lyric in a different way i mean i would sing these songs even from kiss me kate i would sing them out differently than i do i want to be everything that that character needs on the stage right. while bringing some of myself in as much as i can honestly um it's different than singing as yourself in a in a in a concert version of something um uh you know doing all sorts of different songs with with a concert or or my my own show my my solo show yeah right right and uh, mm-hmm. you fairly recently spent some time in London um, mm-hmm. doing The King and I again. Uh, yeah. What was it like? Uh, what was it like going back to the role and revisiting that? You know, interestingly enough and surprisingly, uh, I think I could keep searching in that role and find. Oh yeah. As the world changes, my I'm enamored with the fact that Oscar Hammerstein wrote that character. And those lyrics and those things so long ago, I really am because I kept finding things in her and in the show itself. Um, so I, I loved doing London last year um, again with Ken and Ruthie and and being right. the, the cast was beautiful, a brand new cast. But I loved uh, searching through her again and and falling deeper into that. So there are roles you can do that with, and that was that's definitely one of them. What were there? Uh... What was your take on sort of how the West End community or the sort of London theater community is different or similar to the Broadway community? And, so, and is there anything you sort of brought back with you from from your time in London? Yeah, you know, I think that uh, we as artists are always trying to search and go forward. And I, 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 I think London absolutely is the place where lots of new things happen and theater has been going on for so, so, so long. And the way they, they look at theater is so beautiful because it's it's more... I think for for just a normal person out in the world who's not doing theater, I think they think of theater as a cool thing. Whereas I think in America, we're fighting for theater to kind of keep keep a hold and art in general because you know we kind of have the the sports and the and where I come from where the it's it's kind of on the back burner definitely um, right. music and arts and dance and I think that London culture tends to embrace that kind of thing more and they embrace the classics even more and that. That to me felt really, I mean, we felt like we were doing King and I and we felt like rock stars, you know, whereas here <laughs> right. you feel like you definitely have an audience, but but it's right. it might be kind of going away. So uh, I almost felt like, well, I think I might fit in even better over yeah. here in a way. That, that's what they made me feel right. um, like that was more useful to them, whereas I feel like over here we're always trying to find the new and the new, which is really good. So I think there's room for both. Right. Um, and I'm glad that I can kind of, have my foot in you know on both sides of the pond once in a while if i can yeah yeah uh king and i of course is the role that uh you won a tony for how did did winning a tony change your career and if so how um you know that's a that's kind of a loaded uh, heavy question uh or i guess what does it mean to you is another yeah, way of what does it mean it? to yeah. of course i mean of course it meant the world to me yeah. um you know you you get up there enough times and you think uh that would feel really good <laughs> and and then of course it did and it kind of blew my mind and i i didn't expect to um uh to just kind of to be there i mean i think you get used to not being up there and and then it happened and but then you realize i think if you I think when you win it when you're young, maybe um, it, it's really kind of a, a catapult 
it's a stepping off point and it really pushes you forward in a different way. Mm. I think when you've, you were, you're a little bit more seasoned and, <laughs> and mm. marinated in this business, <laughs> you realize that those ups and downs are just that. They're, they're ups and downs that you ride and you have to expect the, the, the high ones to, to send you back down for a little bit. And then you come back. If you're lucky, you can come back up a little bit. And, right. and I think the best part of our journey is to try to keep the, try to keep a steady flow so that you don't land in the bottom too, for too long, but you don't expect to stay at the top for too long. Right. Um, and, and it, the business will do that to you. I mean, I, I won the Tony in 2015 and I wasn't invited in 2016. So, you know, you right. to attend. Yeah, so right. you, you know, so you, you, you don't expect from it. You just try to enjoy it with all your heart when it happens. And then you get, you roll up your sleeves the next day and you get back to work. Right. And that's how we have to look at it. And that's how I do, yeah. you know, so. Uh, you're known, of course, mostly for theater work. <laughs> you've been marinating, as you say, uh, in, in the theater, but uh, you've also done screen work as well sort of all along and mm -hmm. recently you did a, a web series called the accidental wolf that's right um uh that was quite well received and you did you had a recurring role on um or a regular role on uh 13 reasons why the yeah. netflix series what, how do you think of how do you think of your screen work and is it something you want to do more of and how does it fit into what you want to do with you know stage and singing and all that stuff well, the other thing that, that this business, you know, really makes you feel is that you have to do a lot of a lot of a lot of everything to well, first of all, to keep creative. Yeah. Um, but in order to keep selling tickets in, in theater, which, which we have a hard time doing, you have to have some a bigger fan base. I'm not great with social media because I'm private and I I was raised to not think anybody would care what I'm doing on a Saturday morning at the Starbucks or whatever. I'm, right. I, you know, who cares? What you need to do is something bigger, something grander, something, uh, you know, you're you're. The legacy you leave should be impactful, and mm. that's my goal. And so in order to have that same kind of reach, um, I do believe I have to do more TV and film. Um, doing things like 13 Reasons Why was was interesting and hard for me because I love the feeling of live theater, and I love having a lot to say. And so it's hard to go and do a – you know, you fly to San Francisco, you – you know, you might leave your children for a couple of days and you, you, know, you say, good day in court today, you know, right. and that's your day's work. <laughs> right. So it, that's hard. But doing something like The Accidental Wolf, um, that with passionate people like Arian Moyed, who, who, who gather people like Laurie Metcalf and, you know, right. people around you and you, you're getting a master class while you're there. And um, the fact that it breeds things like Emmy nominations or things like that. Right. Right. that yeah, that, you were not nominated for an Emmy. We say. Well, yeah, yeah. well, the reason I say that is because those are the things that you don't even expect to because those are the creative artistic ones that right. that feed you enough um, that you feel like uh, I could do this forever. Right. You know, I could be in this circle of really, really creative artists uh, just making this this interesting work and having a having something to say. But I think television and film in general can be tough because you're not always given that opportunity. You know, right. you're, you're most of the time in the makeup trailer and the costume longer than you are on set, you yeah. know, yeah. to say a couple of words. So if I got something that, that felt really juicy and, and purposeful, um, I just shot this film that's coming out soon called All the Bright Places. It was a smaller part, but it was really beautiful. And I thought, I can do this. I can, if I have something to say, um, that's that means something to me. Um, th this is our artistic. Um, Brett Haley, who directed it, was full of passion and and fire, and the actors in the room were also that way. And I felt like um, I want to be around this kind of thing. And even if the part is small, I can feel something worthy. Um, so, you know, um, 
And 13 Reasons Why was like that as far as the people around. I, uh, yeah. But, you know, so it's one of those things where uh, in the right place at the right time, you want to have a lot of those, a lot of versions of this art right. in your life. Yeah. I've, are you interested in doing straight plays? Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> you know, there's a part of me that, um, I mean, the last straight play I did was King Lear. So, you know, but yeah. to, to do oh, it. Right. How long ago was that? that was, uh, it's a tw- in 2012. Was, right. And I was going to do one at Lincoln Center a couple of years ago, but then my schedule, we thought we were going to London sooner and it, it oh, right. conflicted. And I, I'm always having to, um, I make the, the right sacrifices, but the, for my kids and w- what choices to make, really, I have to think about all of that. Like, how how will my time be spent? But I would love to do a play and, and, and not so much to, you know, you say, I want to show people what I could, it's not it. I want to, sh- I want to see it for myself if, how it feels to not say a couple of lines and then fall back on the comfort of singing. Right. Um, because I have, as a person who doesn't sing, I mean, I think I have a lot to say and um, I want to, I want to prove to myself that, that I can do something like that. And, um, so I've, I've put it out there in the universe, I think. If the time is right, and and if we can, um, if I can afford to do it with with my kids and and the schedule, you know, I'd love to. Right. Is there another sort of classic musical theater role that you've always wanted to do that you haven't gotten to yet? No, I, and I, you know, I used to go, hmm, that's a good. No, it's, I, it's really, <laughs> I, I, I think I've run the gamut with with what I already know. Now there are lots of things I would, I would love to do things, you know. You know, I would love to. I would love to turn things on their heads. I love this idea that Rosalie Craig's doing Bobby and Company, and right. Yeah, uh, I love. That's in love. I was totally yeah. on board with a with an idea of of you know like like a Harriet Hill, not for myself You're really, right. but yeah. but I, I I love those ideas because I do this section of, in my solo shows of man songs, mm-hmm. and one of the ones that kills me the most, and I love singing it, is finishing the hat because. Oh, wow. And, and, you know, not that they'll ever, who knows if there'll be a Georgina Surratt, right. but because that's <laughs> yeah. a historical, you know, it's historical right, course, fiction. Yeah. And, and we should say this is Sunday in the Sunday Park with George. But, but he's singing of this torturous competition of personal life with art, of finishing that project, being creative, staying in the work when you have the pull of life relationships on your side uh, on the other side and that has been that has been my story um i want to be a good mom i want to be a good wife i want to have my friendships i want to have um my private life but i need my work i i cannot live without it i won't i refuse Mm. i'll find somewhere to sing or to act or you know i don't care where it is and to to play roles that speak on that they either have to be written Right. And I'm asking, come on, come on, women, <laughs> write some, write some female roles that have to do with, uh, with those kinds of things. And they are, they're, they're being written. Yeah. Of course they are. But that's, uh, that, that interests me more than saying, oh, I want to play Mama Rose someday. Yeah, you know, right. what interests me is, is, uh, is leaning towards, um, telling a different kind of woman's story. Yeah. What's the one piece of advice that you've gotten, uh, a professional or creative advice that you've gotten over the years that's really stuck with you that you felt like, oh, this person, as the years have gone by, you've thought, oh, actually, that person had their, um, got it on the nose. Right, right. I'm going to think about that for just one second. Um, uh, well, I guess I guess I think about this lot, a lot now that I'm older. Um, it's kind of a, you know, we'll always feel like we're in, we're in, 
seventh grade and then there's a clique that we don't belong to. We'll always feel that way, no matter where you are. I mean, I think even Mar- Meryl Streep must have a place where she thinks, hmm, I wish I could, but maybe not. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I think that it, it's just human nature to wonder what's going on over there or to want to be in someone else's shoes or something like that. And I remember um, a director in Summerstock, Mark Bandama, saying, I can't remember if he told me a story or it was something about someone going, oh, well, don't do that because it's always done. And the idea was, well, it's not been done by me. Mm. And that idea of being an individual, um, we know that not everybody uses their whole imagination, like a casting director or or whatever, when you walk in the door and if they don't know you, they need something to grab onto. So fine, open the door with some version of something that you think is familiar. Like, what if you look like Laura Benanti or you sound a little bit like Jesse Mueller, whatever it is, fine. Maybe you get in the door that way, but the minute you can, that's already been done. So start to be you, only you. And I can say that now because I tried really hard to just be in the room um, where it happened yeah. um, by by singing, by by singing the way I needed to sing or, or kind of reminding someone of somebody else. And but once I had a little bit more voice, and I know I'm, I'm lucky to say that I do, um, you start to say, no, this is what I can bring to the table. Me, just me, not a version of somebody else that's already been done. Um, and that's really important because um, if I hadn't started doing that, I don't think I would have had a place. And my place is really different than other people in, this th- in the theater business. I'm not going to be belting and doing a lot of contemporary stuff, but... I can be in contemporary musicals like Bridges or something because I said to Jason Robert, Robert Brown, because yeah. <laughs> I said to him, please, please do me the honor of listening to me and writing for me. And he did. And some people don't, but he did. And is that how that started? Was that the original? How did he how said, did I want to do, I want to write my opera. I want to write my love opera, my okay. story. And he got the rights to Bridges of Madison County. He goes, I want to write this for you. And I said wow. that, that's the biggest thing ever. So we yeah. shopped it. We didn't even have a score. He had some Robert songs. And yeah, a few yeah. things. We shopped it around. We found our producers. Yeah. And then he started to write it. And I remember we did a couple of workshops. We did a lot of readings of that with a lot of different Roberts. Yeah. And and so in the beginning, her music was pretty folky and country. And I can do some of that. I can. Sure. But I don't want to do it all. Just like I said, it's not all I can do. Right. So, so I said to that, I said, is there more? Is there more that's me? And because of her Italian background, he got this he got this voice in his yeah. head about the Italian and the classical. And he showed up with that song, that opener, to build myself a home. Yeah. And it changed, I think for me, it changed my own sense of confidence about where I belong in this business. And that I have I do have something to give and to say that's a little bit different than other people. And um so whatever happened with the show that will always, and you know, I even want to go back to it and, and re- revisit it the minute I can. The minute, you know, did they do revivals five years later with the same people? I mean, <laughs> but I, I want to revisit start. because I was, yeah. I was also, as we talk, you know, as I said, I'm always trying to weigh things out if they're best for my family. I was having a baby right when he right. decided when we decided it would be the right, the, the 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 best time to do it when the producers were going to do it, and I was, I had a two month old baby, and I was nursing and i was doing all these things so in a way i don't even remember the experience but i knew it was mine so there's a part of me that wants to revisit it and um and be clear in my head and 
not so pulled in t- different directions, but, and my voice to be a little bit um, different just as far as me being fully on my, my, right. my instrument. Yeah. But, um, so it's been, it's been a wild ride, but I've had some, some of those nice gifts like that. And what's next for you after Kiss Me Kate? Um, I'll go back to King and I for four weeks in Tokyo. Oh, um, great. Just because that was, I think that was always part of the plan yeah. to get to Ken's home. Right. Yeah, of course. This is your coast arc. Yeah, Ken yeah. Watanabe, uh, to do four weeks there, short run, and I'll take my family and we'll have a great time in Tokyo. Mm. And um, and then I'll come back and do I'm going to do a big concert with the Philharmonic, doing some classical things, right. and um, and then probably a little bit, maybe a little bit more Accidental Wolf. Yeah. Oh, good. Uh, that happy place. Yeah. And and probably if I'm lucky, um, a little bit more team television and film. Right. Um, and are you working on any new? Are you working on any new musicals that? Uh, yes. Yeah. There's one in particular that is again been written for me. And I'm excited about it, and I'm sitting here with right with you right now, and I don't know that I'm able to talk about it. Yeah. Yeah. I, so I don't want to make that mistake. Right. Uh, we just did a reading of it this past couple of weeks, um, which is why I'm a little hoarse. <laughs> <laughs> but it's actually a project that I asked to be written for me about 17 years ago, and it's just completed. Wow. And um, and I think it could be really powerful and special. So we'll see what happens with it. Well, we can't wait to see it when, yeah. it, when we see it. Thanks for chatting. It's really nice Thank to you talk for, to you. Thanks, you too, Cody. always. That was Kelly O'Hara, the Tony-winning star of Kiss Me Kate, now playing on Broadway at Studio 54. If you like what you've heard on this and other episodes of StageCraft, please rate and review us on iTunes and subscribe wherever finer podcasts are dispensed. And here's an alert for all podcast enthusiasts. I'll be in Nashville from May 31st through June 2nd for the first PodX conference, bringing together your favorite networks, podcasters, and podcasts, from true crime and politics to pop culture and storytelling to, of course, theater and stagecraft, all in one weekend. In the meantime, I'll be back next week talking to John Cameron Mitchell, the writer-star of Hedwig and the Angry Inch, whose latest project is the new musical podcast series Anthem Homunculus. Until then, see you at the theater. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions. Supply.